0: Hello I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company and he's Luke Morris and
1: Uh, I'm busy looking at my phone for something to talk about in a minute
0: (laughs) (laughs) and together we are Luke's Talk Wine we talk about all things wine and booze and popular culture think when to drink why we drink it and the culture that
1: surrounds drinking hello Luke hello Campbell how goes it? Uh, uh, yeah, I've got two options for you. Uh, do, you do you want to do your, your spiel about what's happening in today's episode, or do you want me to jump straight into the two ideas I've got?
0: I have got for you, as I do every week, this is, in fact, Season 3, Episode
1: 18. Season 3. How do we keep getting renewed?
0: <laughs> and... We have got an
1: amazing topic
0: actually we th- this week's topic is actually drinking wine it should be an adventure and I have a listener question for you and this is a good question from Susie in North Sydney and Susie writes this is a pertinent question actually Susie writes how can a wine with no sugar still taste sweet good question Susie we'll a- address that a little bit later today and as always, if we've got time, we'll discuss on what we've been drinking uh, and we'll work through that later in the episode. But as always, and every week, as we ask, we couldn't have a week without it. Luke Morris, what's been happening in your wine world this week, Pow.
1: Um, So I'm back from New Zealand and one of my notes was while I was in Queenstown um, going around bars and everything. One of my friends was, they just wanted red wine and they wanted Shiraz and the house wine in two places. And the only Shiraz I ever saw anywhere was all from Brossa. <laughs> and I just found that really, we've talked about this when I went to New South Wales and Sydney, I was like, where's the local wines people? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand why, like, I, 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 understand, I didn't, I didn't fully grasp the reach and the, you know, the, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, the reach, the, the size. It's like, also the other thing, the size and the rate of Barossa Shiraz. Like, it's a big area and big producer, I know, but to, you to, know. It's all over New Zealand as well. What's going on?
0: Well, if you're in Queenstown, you know, it's one of the coldest places on planet Earth. It's got zero UV in the summer. Like, it, it's probably too cold to ripen Shiraz. So, to be no, I bet you they were selling plenty of Pinot and Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc
1: and Pinot yeah, Noir. But, but Hawks, Hawks, no Bay's, Hawks Bay's a country, like, I'm just the fact that they've gone, oh, well, in order to get red wine, we're going to have to go to Australia. It's like, you do make red wine in your own country. You realize this, don't you? Oh, Hawke's Bay Syrah is a thing. Like, it's a good thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, there are some terrific hawks by Suriname producers out there. Is it just that there's so few of them that it's that like the bulk production in in Barossa is still easier and cheaper and, you know, there's more of the arm flex of sending stuff, getting, getting that across, you know. It, to me, it feels like going into a Melbourne... Restaurant or somewhere, and the only reds they have on the on the on the list are from France. And it's well, oh, geez, that, that that happens. That still happens today. Uh, but is, but is that because they're being a bit of a ranker, or is it that because they legitimately think that that's the only place they can get good red wine from?
0: That is a really good question.
1: Either <laughs> way, they're being a ticket.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I, I see where you're going there because, because you're right. You, you, your argument is why aren't they serving their own exponents? But I think you, se- you semi-answered it just back to the Queenstown case study. You semi-answered it there because it's a cost thing, right? They could probably get and serve and list Barossa Shiraz cheaper and what they could do it for Hawke's Bay. A lot of the so. Hawke's Bay Syrah offerings aren't inexpensive. Um, I mean, albeit they'll be beautiful by the glass and you you might be able to serve it under Coravin or something like that. But that's all with the cost. If you're just at a pub and you want to serve you know, a, a, a red wine with weight, it was, it's probably cheaper for them in Gwinsound to have a Barossa Shiraz.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because I went to that place, I mentioned there was a, a Torriga. Listed. Oh, yeah. And um I I when I went back into there, I noticed that it also had the letters N V underneath it. And Ooh. I realized oh, this is that's a fortified. Um so I went over to the table wine section and it was mostly all Pinot apart from one, which was a <laughs> like a GSM and Viognier. and it was a really good, like Rhone Valley-esque um. Red, which I can't remember from where it was. It might have been Gisborne, maybe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good, but it was one of these things where you, I, I don't really know what the term is. they all pressured on the gas. So you put your little card in the thing, you press the button, and you get a certain amount of tasting out. And it was like $15 for half a glass. They weren't mm-hmm. cheap wines. And that's probably
0: yeah. They call they call they call it, it and an, an, uh, we used to use them in London. Enomatic, they're an enomatic an, an machine, and so they're entirely cased in glass, and they're a gassed. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, an, anomatic, enomatic. E n o matic. Enomatic.
1: Yeah, but you're probably yeah. right. It's probably a cost thing. It's probably the fact that because there's only a few areas in New Zealand that will ripen well, and if they do make it, they make a really good quality wine. Whereas, if you want something bulk and you know, shove it into a bottle and out the door, mm. no offense to the brosser, but they, you know, th- their climate conditions allow them the ability to be able to make stuff to that percentage, and that's why you, you find them littering the planet.
0: <laughs> littering is a great term of choice, littering the planet. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of littering the planet
1: <laughs> and... hi this is luke morris from luke's talk Wine. i've written some books so visit luke go there see the books buy one support the podcast that's luke morris ha.com.au dot acomau have a great day
0: and other Numerous yeah. adventures. I want to talk about this topic, and and you've kind of you, you're already deep in the streets of it, really, Murray. So it won't be too um, won't be too much of a further bridge to cross. But drinking wine should be an adventure, you know. Like you've had a little bit of an adventure there in Queenstown, and you've yeah, you've yeah I'm widened. hoping
1: you're not going to say we should be, you know, necking a, a magnum of Gewurztraminer while we're bungee jumping or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, but
0: what I'm trying to emphasize here in in this week's topic is if you're drinking the, the same old crap, you know, week in, week out, just to get drunk, then you're not really enjoying all the uniqueness a wine has to offer. Wine, amongst other things, is an accompaniment to many of life's great experiences. Drinking wine
1: should be an adventure, no? I think I've got plenty of customers that would tell you you're wrong. Not, not not to say that I think you're wrong, but to take Mm. the other, the other point of view. I sell so much borsa Shiraz as much as I've just sort of bagged it out as not, I'm not really bagging it. It's just, I I want, I want some variety. You want some variety. We want some variety, but I have so many customers that are like, I know what I like and I like borsa Shiraz and that's what I want to drink. And, they almost to a point where it then becomes this hard to differentiate nuance where they like one Brosser Shiraz and not another Brosser Shiraz. And it's like, it's basically the same thing, but they see a world of difference between the two.
0: Oh, well, there is. Like if you drink something from Vinevale, as opposed to the Mount Lofty Ranges in the Adelaide Hills, the other end of the brossa basically they can one's cool climate and one's warm
1: oh yeah and but dense, I, I, like. I mean not even, not even to that you know not even to that degree I, I I think it's but back to back to the point of being an adventure I think some people are over the the adventure maybe they've over the adventure of one they've done their real traveling they've been on their their grand tours and they've come back to their home country and just decided that nah I'm just gonna drink this for the rest of my life. I'm done.
0: <laughs> life would be a boring existence, wouldn't it?
1: Well, I think if you... I think so, but then the end, I've had so much dud Pinot that I keep getting scared every time I have a Pinot.
0: <laughs> well, Pinot's a different story because uh, pino Pinot is well Pino's the fickle mistress, right? You can have a dud experience. I haven't had any I haven't had too many dud barossa shiraz's experience like it's all pretty tasty juice but yeah, Pino that's, is, why. That's,
1: that's why they don't want the adventure they don't they just want the the safety net now
0: but what about expanding your understanding and being experimental and trying new things like
1: um, uh, i'm I'm with you but i'm just thinking that a lot of people are like maybe maybe that's the education we've got to get out there that you know We've talked about this before. How do you how do you take someone who's died in die in the wood? I just want brossa shiraz. If you try and give them a pinot, they're going to be like, that's nothing like anything that I want to tr- taste or try. But then, what do, you, do we try and hand them in zinfandel and say? Or, or, well, yeah, or? that
0: I reckon or, I, that's what you do. I reckon you do try as zinfandel, or you give them a a Cotaron, which is syrah dominant from southern France, and or um. What's that other one from the right down on the Spanish border? Um, it's from France. It's black and Corbières, which is you know Syrah, Grenache, but it's black as the night sky, and it's grown in basically volcanic soil, and it's just so inky. They would love it, but you got to drink diversity to even discover these places and things.
1: That's it. But that's the problem then, because uh, they're not widely. There seems to be like what would you say, three stages of red wine almost in Australia, in the Australian mindset, Shiraz, Cabernet slash Merlot, Pinot?
0: Oh, people always end up drinking Pinot 100% time, whether it's Grand Cru Champagne, whether it's Village Burgundy, whether it's Mornington Peninsula. I've seen it 100 out of 100 times in my life. People start off drinking something sweet, they wind up drinking Pinot.
1: Oh, no, but what I mean is that if you try and, there's only three, like, three main grape varietals. So if we're saying that we want people to be adventurous and to to step outside the the Shiraz comfort zone, the next step isn't just one step, it's like another floor because we we can't, there's not a lot of, um, Corvina or Nero Diabla or Oh yeah, I'm with you. And, and to be able to just say let's just try that as something that's really much the, the same but slightly different just for a little bit of experience. No, you, you go to the bottle shop and your next step is Cabernet, which <laughs> isn't like just isn't. Just isn't it's not it's not there. But also Cabernet if you if you if you must say is is closer.
0: Yeah, true. Very true.
1: All right. You've really given me some
0: food for thought there.
1: Have I? Yeah. How do you get people to to drink diversely if if the options aren't there to be diverse?
0: Well, uh, yeah, but it's the, you bury the lead there. It's about the education, you know, in podcasts like this, very informative. Or, um, you know, along the way, it's a little bit of that education. So when they're buying, 11, bo- 11 bottles of Barossa Shiraz. You, you stick a Cotarone in there, or you you sneak a Zinfandel in there, or, or something, and they come back to you and they go, "Oh, what's this?" Like, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. So you it's about trying to um, give that one one night of adventure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it.
1: <laughs> but that might
0: well, turn into more. That might turn into more adventure. Yeah. No, I like it. Hmm. So, what, heaven how... forbid that heaven forbid they might get it, become a, a wine snob, you know, lurking around every corner, just wanting to taste something different.
1: <laughs> well, let me let me throw a few great items at you.
0: Okay, and
1: do it. So the, so the listening can be if 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 a listener's out there and they're dying in the wood, I just like Margaret River Cabernet as an example. What would be the the step, not like a completely different floor of a building, but was just one step different, that that might open their eyes to, hey, th- actually that's really good. How do I get more of that? So let, let's let's start. Riff. you've got hmm. a cabernet drinker. What's the one step sideways of cabernet that you would like to to get them to try?
0: I would like. If they're a Cabernet drinker, I would like them to taste a blend. Yeah. That'd be, you know, so that'd be a blend either from New Zealand, um, Tasmania, the Loire Valley, and that would be my one step for Cabernet. Try a blend.
1: Is, is it adventurous to just go a different region? Just just as uh, just sort of some of some Margaret River Cabernet drinkers, do you say, well... Try a Cabernet from New Zealand. Anyone blend or straight? Just try a different country. Do you think that's adventurous? Is that adventurous enough, or do we do we want them to get a different?
0: Well, you, you, you said grape. just one step. So I think if you wanted to go a different grape, an all an alternative yeah. to Cabernet would be something like Malbec. So try a Malbec oh, from yeah. Argentina. There we go.
1: There's an yep. idea. All right. Yes. Okay. So um, am, I, am I on the wavelength
0: now? Is that? I like I that. Really no, right.
1: I like. I yeah. Like right. That. Right. Um,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Let's Come at go. Me. Let's, let's 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 move over to white wine territory. I love mm. Chardonnay, and and I like the the big, bold, full-bodied kind of Chardonnays. Where, where am I stepping to? I think you're going, and
0: you're looking for an Aligote.
1: Yes, I was thinking the same thing. Snap. There's not a lot of it, but I sell some and it's really hard to sell because it's like someone who says, even if they say they want burgundy and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is is good burgundy. It's actually made. And then as soon as I say it's actually made, I think, oh no, I've got to finish that sentence and I can't use the word Chardonnay. And they're (laughs) going to be like, oh, I don't know if I want that. It's like you do want it. <laughs> yeah, you do want it.
0: Get it in your glass. <laughs> uh, All right. Why Aligate? What
1: what what do you what do you think, Aligate? Well,
0: well, aligote, it may not have the 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 length or the 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 acid structure of Chardonnay, but it does have a full round Chardonnay hit type palette. And it often does get a little bit waxy, a little bit mealy, a little bit orchard fruity like Chardonnay. It just doesn't have the 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 power packed weight of Chardonnay, but a great alternative and probably
1: one of its closest living relatives. It is. It is indeed. Indeed. Um okay, let's go with uh, another very popular grape varietal around Australia, Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Yes. So a great alternative to Sauvignon Blanc would be a Spanish Albariño. Oh.
1: Oh yes, okay.
0: Yeah, so Albarino from the top left-hand corner of Spain, uh, Riach Bachas. Incredibly um, cheap
1: a... and love, and not as pungent.
0: No, nowhere near as pungent. Great value, but it has that same kind of lifted floral notes on the nose, and it has the same lick of acid on the back palate.
1: Love that call. That's a good mm. one. Uh, yeah, I'll man. give you, I'll give you two more. um Let's think of so we've done two rights. Let's do two. Let's do let's do the two reds then. Let's let's go the right. let's go the two popular ones. We'll go with Pinot first of all. Pinot Noir. I'm a Pinot Noir drinker. Pinot Noir is so hit and miss for me, Campbell. Pinot Noir is hit and miss, but I really love it. What what's another great variety I could probably have a go with?
0: Well, if you love Pinot Noir, you love fruit. So I'd go straight into a single variety, Grenache.
1: Like Grenache?
0: Uh, Yep, I would. And so Grenache often delivers what Pinot promises. So (laughs) have a look at it. It meets the palate in the same way. Often Grenache is a little bit darker, but it does have that underlying savoury, sweet kind of core of red, dark fruits, which you're loving in Pinot. Um, it doesn't have the acid, and nor it does have some tenons, but yet yeah, Grenache. Go Grenache.
1: Good work. All right. Um, and the last one, the big, ballsy, I'm a Brosser Shiraz drinking kind of guy. We've, we've named a few grapefriars, but if you had to pick one out, if you if you had to pick one for me, Brosser Shiraz drinker, who just wants to try something one step to be adventurous, what are you picking off a shelf for me? I,
0: well, we mentioned it earlier. I'd have to go Zin, but it has other, to be Zin. It doesn't have to be. We mentioned Zinfandel earlier. Yeah. What I would do is I would go towards something like um,
1: Giriff. Oh, boom! Oh, wow! Mic drop. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, there's going to be plenty of. Uh... Men of you and my generation and above, clicking. a... can you hear that? Clicking, click, doing the, doing the clicks. Hearing the word Drift. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, now I'm in a nightclub listening to some laid back jazz. <laughs> durif, thank you very much. Why durif, my friend? Well,
0: durif has amazing fruit. It has an a, a amazing inky texture. Uh, it has the the, the bucket loads of, of balanced alcohol that Shiraz can sometimes present. It equally loves oak just as much as what Shiraz does, but it, it, it's varietally not too similar. Albeit Girif is much more intense, um, but yeah. So I th- I think if people have had a Barossa and Shiraz and they think, oh, I just want something beefy, meaty, give me something, boom, Girif.
1: I think that's a great call. And it is great because people who drink Boston Chirots are like, oh, I like something that's fully full-bodied. And It's like, have you tried Then, Get into that. Oh, yeah. And, and you're also talking to me because uh, Rutherglen, Victorian, Northern Central. <laughs> that's not Central. It's Northern Victorian. But I, I love Rutherglen. Let's get into it. Mm.
0: And the, the other alternative, actually, it's just come to light, actually, I was thinking about Drift. The the other one, we we spoke about Cabernet, and it's not a lot of it's grown here, but a great alternative to Cabernet, and I mentioned Mendoza's um, Malbec's from Argentina. The other one, which also comes from Argentina and Chile, as a great alternative to Cabernet, is Carmonier.
1: Yeah, Carmonier.
0: Yeah. Don't see a lot of that. that. You don't see a lot of it, but it is good. All that blue fruit that Cabernet has, yeah, yeah, good. And that is an adventure. That is drinking wine. Drinking wine should be an adventure.
1: So that's the fun thing. Because as we've gone through that, we've, we've, we've had the the staples, but then there's all these little grape varietals sticking around that do a really interesting job, and and they might be better for your taste buds. You know, as, totally. as a listener.
0: Absolutely. Hey, quick one from Susie in North Sydney. Mm. Um, we can do a whole other episode on this, but how can Susie writes a listener question this week? How can a wine with no sugar still
1: taste sweet? Dude, I don't know the over. answer to this one. <laughs> over to you. Over to you. I don't I don't know the answer. I once someone once did a test and poured a whole bunch of sugar into a glass of water, mixed it up, and then I can't remember, but their the argument was that the water doesn't taste sweet. You can't really taste sugar. But I was—I can't remember if that's true, or how that worked. Oh, I I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. I all, the, all, the only sweet wines that I've tasted all have had sugar within them. I don't. I, I can't think of an example that doesn't. What's the example, Campbell? Do you, have you come across this? Well,
0: it, it's tough. It's something I. I always wrestle with in education, you know, because it often, this question often comes up in and around Riesling, um, here on Luke's Talk Riesling. Um, It's in the wine world, I guess we call this trait being fruit forward. Like uh, if, if a wine is completely bone dry, it has no leftover, no residual sugar in it. But some of those wines, so we were talking about Malbec from Argentina, you know, if you drink, a Malbec from Argentina versus a Malbec from France. The Malbec from Argentina would be so sweet um, because it's grown in the sun. It's grown in a warm climate. The alcohol is high. So, but it wouldn't have any residual sugar in it. Or it might have, you know, one ah. or two grams, if that. So it's really about the fruit and it's about, um, you know, where it's grown climactically and these kind of things. Um, there, I guess there are a few factors, but mainly it's the grape variety and the climactical influence. Yeah, you're, um, you're
1: referring to that. Like uh, oak treatment can leave a vanillin kind of richness to it. Yes. And that's not oh, sugar, absolutely. but that's just, just the the flavour of the of the fruit, so that yeah, again, the fruit is imparting an aromatic that's making your brain think of sweetness or something like that. Um, but on the palate, the difference is probably the the tannin and the dryness that you're experiencing between the two different wines. Even though they've got the same residual sugar level being zero, one just tastes drier than the other. I guess.
0: Completely, completely yeah. agree. Yeah. So I hope, Susie, I hope i have answered that question for you. Um, it's really that you know the region and the climatical influence greatly affect the flavours of your wine.
1: Um, it's important and- to, to note probably within that is um, sweetness. When people talk about is has the wine got some residual sugar or not? Uh, sweet people, particularly in champagne sparkling wines, the dosage. Sugars added in order to balance acid. So sometimes a wine can have residual sugar and you don't taste it because uh, the technical result of uh, what is it that the acid but is being blocked, the acid receptors being blocked by the sugar receptors, sugar. so it balances out, and therefore. You don't have a very sweet or very acidic wine. You've got a balanced wine, but they do that on purpose to make it balanced. Mm. It's just a, um, a a taste profile thing.
0: Totally. They do it in Barossa Shiraz. They do it in a, a lot of red wines. They, they you know, um, it's called being tricked up. But it's, um yeah, absolutely, particularly in the cheaper wines. But, yeah, so that's... that's do that's, they do it's,
1: that on purpose
0: in a cheaper wine um, range? They do. They, they, they all They'll add a dosage to it um, just to even out that balance. Absolutely. If they yeah, pick so the you...
1: fruit too early and there's too much acid, they add a. Ah. Mm. That's a chemical. I didn't, didn't realize that was a thing. There ah. you go. Boom.
0: Well, I hope, Susie, I hope we've covered that for you there. It is a big topic, actually, and it's something that'll um, become more and more. Relevant to the more diversely you drink in the wines, just just remembering if you're starting up with a dry base, um, you know what's fruity and what's sweet. It's um, yeah, it's fruit sweetness and then sugar sweetness. They're two very different
1: things. Hmm. Hmm. Mate, what have you been drinking? Anything since you got uh, back from New Zealand? Not much, but I was just thinking about uh, something relevant to that. Is I. When the wine buyers at work, they had to move house. They get lots of samples and, you know, people send two bottles as a sample because one bottle might have cork taint or something. You know, you get a Mm -hmm. lot of leftover wines. And because they were moving the house, they decided to clear out all these excess samples that they had, um, donate money to charity, get a box of samples. So I donated money to charity and got all these random samples. And it's just an interesting tidbit for the, for the listener. I, I, I can't really name names as, as samples and things, but I did pick up one bottle that was like just blank out of the box. But I used the old, well, oh, check out the size of that glass, the thick glass, big, big punch in there, and then tilted and saw that there was writing on the cork and went, oh, well, that's not cheap. So whoever's spent the money on the packaging must have spent something on the inside. Mm. And conversely, I picked up another bottle that was very flimsy, flat sort of base sort of thing. I went, well, that's cooking wine. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's not going to be something to uh, to 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 sneak in while watching the uh, the World Cup. Uh, but yeah, that's what I did. I found I I, I found what I think was a. Uh, Heathcote Shiraz on the oh. weekend and had that. And actually, I had a Heathcote Shiraz that a mate of mine made. He's got a vineyard in Heathcote. Um, he's just learning the winemaking viticulture trade. And uh, he, he gave me a glass of that and then said, what do you think? I don't know, man. Have you ever been in the situation where, it, like, it was good wine and I gave him, a, you know, a positive answer. But do you ever feel, do you ever, like, some a winemaker or someone just propositions you with a glass of wine and asks you for your opinion to their face immediately.
0: Yep, all the time. <laughs> it's, and it's very difficult to tell someone their baby's ugly. Uh, so, yeah, you just have to... <laughs> you have to be very diplomatic, Murray, uh, as I'm sure you were at the, at the time. But um, Oh, yeah,
1: you know, no, I tasted it. Said that It's got nice nice acid on the palate, nice nice fruit whiteness. That's, that's good. Mm. I just want to go back to watching the World Cup and... Talking shit now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and on that, uh, a huge thank you to the listening audience. Thanks for being with us. This have you anything?
1: Do, 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 do you have anything to plug from your website? Oh, mate, um, I haven't been drinking a great deal
0: actually, so um, I don't think so this week. Okay. Uh, no, no, I don't actually. But um, but thank you for asking. All the same, but if you want to have a look at the website, dive in. www.vinifier.com.au our memberships are there the retail the wine accessories there's uh wine accessories are going off at the moment whether it's Christmas code code 38 for the Christmas or uh wine books or our um Vinified wine aerators or anything but you can have a look they're all there on the site um chime in I have been Luke Campbell you can find me on the gram at Vinified underscore wine underscore services He's been Luke Morris. Together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Bye bye. Vinified are the wine seller's specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk wine. www.vinified.com.au